The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Pat Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome in. It is Justin Barclay. This is not Pat Gray. But we are still unleashed. Hey, uh, great time, an honor, and a privilege to be here with you over the last couple of days and here and there, spotted throughout the holidays. It's always a pleasure to be here. We are live. I know it's it's kind of weird because in the holiday season, you never know, is this thing live or is it taped or is it what? What's going on here? December 28th, 2017. Unless, of course, you're listening to this on the podcast or one of the various recorded ways you can and by all means i recommend binging it's a lot of fun a lot of fun a lot of good things uh, a lot of good things can come of that so a uh, lot to talk about uh, you know as i kind of predicted last week i said you know i feel like 2017 such a blur the news has just been uh, it's like been drinking from a fire hose and, uh, you know, if you like that sort of thing, good, you know, could be a wild ride, you know, a bit of a roller coaster. But it has been. It's just been kind of nutty, right? I said, you know, traditionally this time of year between Christmas and New Year's is completely dead. Businesses tend to slow down. People are taking a lot of time off before they pop back into the new year. And where I am, I'm in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, the thriving metropolis. We actually do have a very nice uh, downtown area here. But I, I could tell coming in today, earlier this morning, to do my local show here on Wood Radio, locally at Grand Rapids uh, in West Michigan here. I, I just, I, I there wasn't a lot of traffic, not a lot of volume. So usually that's kind of how it goes when it uh, when it comes to the the news as well. The news just kind of slows down, and I think traditionally that uh, you know that the White House shuts down, the politicians take breaks, uh, and so do many folks in the media as well. You got uh, President Trump who's out there playing a little golf right now, Mar-a-Lago, but. While he may not be giving a press conference here or there or, or conducting what looks like normal sort of White House, he's tweeting. So that stuff, I thought, you know, that Twitter goes everywhere. I mean, it's in wherever you want to take it, right? Yeah, so that's why, you know, this thing is not going to shut down. This news of 2017 has been completely... Uh, it's unprecedented. It's like it's it's like nothing else we've ever seen before. So I said, you know, I feel like we're gonna we're gonna continue to see that push through, and we got tons of stuff to talk about. We got a lot of stories. There's a traditional, uh, you know, let's let's wrap this up and phone it in kind of stuff too. People are doing like, you know, like the lists, right? Oh, the top whatever moments of this or the top that. You know, it's it's the standard kind of, yeah, let's just kind of phone it in. It's wrapping up the year kind of thing and giving people a little time in between. Get ready for the new year. 
Yeah, so we, yeah, okay. Admittedly, there might be some of that today. We might do a little bit of that, but I, I really feel like there's a lot to get to. I don't want to talk to you too. I want to find out what you think the biggest focus is of 2018. Where are we headed? We're doing some predictions, by the way, if you want to jump in uh, on the Facebook group, the Pat Gray Unleashed Facebook group on Facebook. A lot of cool people in there, and I, I was uh, brought in there the other day, and, and, I, and I, I think it was Mark who brought me in. I love seeing the comments. I love watching people <laughs> respond. We definitely have a, a very nice uh, group of um, sick, twisted freaks here with the uh, with the Blaze family and 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 the people that are uh, that are in the Pat Graham Leash group. I asked, "What's your prediction for 2018?" I'm filling in again today for Pat. Put out, uh, pull out your magic eight ball, or give Miss Cleo a call and sign and weigh in here. And boy, boy, did they sound off. One of them right now is uh, posted a Miss Cleo. Uh, uh, gif, gif. We're not gonna do the gif, gif thing, are we? I- anyway, like the video for her moving the picture, you know, with the one eight hundred. And I think she's dead. Sad to say. I hate to start the show on a sad note, but I think she's gone. I don't think she's no longer with us. I don't know whether she saw that coming or not. But uh, Amanda, I appreciate that. Whew. 2018, Stephanie says, I think I'm going to go with at least one big old riot. It seems that we've seen quite a few of those recently, paid for or otherwise. Unrest, I think that might be, I think that might be a fair prediction. I don't know. I I I we I think we continue to see a lot of this disruption that we've seen throughout 2017 carry into 2018. I like to call it the unraveling. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know what to tell you. It just it just it just depends on who you are. You know what I mean? Mark says, by the way, we all survived the tax cuts, his prediction, though the loss of net neutrality might do us all in. You know, that's a good, that's a good, uh, it's a good point, Mark. People are, bodies are dropping, bodies are dropping all throughout the streets. It's interesting, uh, Charlie says, I predict... People, the people throughout Fox News, and I'm assuming he means other outlets that are conservative, right? Become the de facto investigator on the Russian collusion between the Benghazi sociopath and Uranium One, but Jeff Sessions continues to protect Hillary Clinton, as with Mueller. Justice is slow, but it's relentless in its pursuit. Now, I, that, I was wondering if we were going to get this. Charlie also says he predicts that Jeff Sessions drops all investigations and becomes a Democrat. And emphasis on the last three letters, R-A-T. Uh, he also says, I predict no indictments from anyone within the Obama circle of... Never mind, I won't say the last 
piece of that. Um, what is your prediction? Do you want to add to the mix? Do you want to add to the piece here? 616 Well, I almost gave out. I was going to say I almost gave out the uh, the old uh, radio station here. What, what, hold on. What if I was going to say like 867-5309 over there? What, would, would, you, uh, would you be opposed to that one? What if people want to just call that up? Yeah, that's right, Jenny. They get Jenny on the phone. 888 That's the number you want to call. 1-888-900-3393. So many uh, phone numbers. I don't really know how I keep them all straight sometimes. You can weigh in. We'd love to hear from you. I want to see what, uh, when it comes to your predictions, what prediction you might have for us. And we've made it almost through the entire segment, by the way, the first segment. Yesterday, not as lucky. So, yeah, I know. We got that going for us. It's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. I feel like a streak going right now. Yeah, I, I like this. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's true. We don't want to talk about that. Uh, anyway, there is something weird happening in Alabama. <laughs> that's an understatement. Man, that's kind of like the uh, the phrase of the year, right? Something weird happening in Alabama right now. Judge Roy Moore refuses to go, filed a lawsuit in order to stop this um, verification process from happening. The certification down in uh, down in Alabama and that uh, and that special ele- election to replace Jeff Sessions. He says there may or may not have been some voter fraud. Now we have been on this for like a month now. I brought my buddy in originally from Alabama, one of my favorite Alabamians, to talk about this. And maybe I can get Adam back on the phone again. He's an author. He's an entrepreneur. He's a former law enforcement cop. He he uh, he did the uh, uh, what do you call that? The uh, hostage negotiations. Good guy, all around good guy, reasonable dude. Following all of this. And when that uh, that election took place, when that vote took place, it just what was that about 10, 15 days ago, something like that? They thought it was done. They were so excited. Oh, it's finally going to be past us. And little did he know it was only the beginning. So why does Roy Moore feel like there's been some election fraud? We'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. We're going to go live to Alabama. I'm going to talk with a reporter who's going to give us some more information about what's happening. And when it's happening, I think we're just, man, we're minutes away, maybe an hour tops away from having some real answers. And uh, will this thing actually get certified? What's that process like? And, And can he still get a recount? Do you wish this thing would just go away? with Roy Moore, as strange as it's all been. All that and more coming up today as we uh, continue to fill in. For Pat Gray, well-deserved vacation, enjoying his time off. We're unleashed today. It's Barclay in on the blaze. You're listening to Pat Gray Unleashed. Follow Pat on Twitter at Pat Unleashed and send him your thoughts using the hashtag TellPat. The Blaze Radio Network.
Gray is here. Justin Barkley in for Pat Gray today unleashed on the blaze. A scandal afoot down in Alabama. I don't know how you feel about this. Is there a possible voter fraud? There certainly appears that there could be. Uh, Judge Roy Morris is not going quietly, not going quietly into that dark night. He says, look, I'm I'm going to keep the fight alive here as long as I can. He's filed some paperwork, a lawsuit last night in order to stop this uh, this certification of this this election, this special election to replace Jeff Sessions. Joining us on the phone right now, reporter Donna Franca Villa from Birmingham, Alabama. And you're getting text messages right now, too. Getting Roy Moore. Uh, I just got a text from the Secretary of State because I was asking him for his comment. He said he's been on the phone all morning. And, of mm-hmm. course, I saw him uh, make some comments on the phone to uh, local broadcasters late last night, early this morning. It's, he's been a busy man. Uh, but I will tell you that uh, he intends to go through with the certification of the votes and and, and of the ballot. And so uh, after that, he has told other broadcast mediums that they – there, there is a 72-hour window of opportunity where more can ask for a recount. And based on the numbers that I have seen, it takes about a million dollars for a recount, and Roy Moore has a little more than half of that, about 650000 So he'd have to shell out a lot of money from his own pocket or from or get other donors to, uh, and maybe he has gotten more money in, I don't know, uh, to ask for a recount. Um, but there are many in the state, as you correctly point out, who just say, give it up, Roy, you're lost, move on. So the sentiment there is kind of interesting, you know, because... You've got uh, you've got folks that were just ready to be done with this, um, and, and you you can imagine a national folks from national media media uh, people from all over descending upon uh, that state there, and people looking to Alabama with uh, they're kind of under a microscope when this was all going down. So explain, Donna, how did we get here today? Roy Moore, uh, according to you know the election results, lost this election. But there was some question that he had about uh, whether or not some of these uh, results were were legitimate. Yeah, he was looking at Jefferson County, which is where Birmingham is located, and it is a a, a district that came in solidly behind Doug Jones. Those numbers did not surprise me at all because that's where Doug Jones has lived. Mm-hmm. This is where he raised his children. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's you know, it's a, a stronghold for Doug Jones. But uh, he said in his press release, uh, Roy Moore said in his press release, that he believes that they're, you know, that looking at the math, it's not possible that he would have gotten, that, that his opponent would have gotten so many votes. I don't know what experts he's been talking to. And maybe, you know, experts will say anything depending on how much money you pay them. Who knows what this information is based on. Our Secretary of State has said that the election was, you know, all the ballots have been counted, that there was no reported credible fraud. He said that if there was any fraud committed, he certainly would investigate it. But um, there had been some stories, some fake news on Facebook and some other places about election fraud uh, that was discounted and, and what we were told was not true at all. So it looks like the certification will go through. Um, he has every right to ask for a recount, but I don't think the numbers will come out much different 
than what they look now. The, uh, our Secretary of State, if, it's, if he is to be, be believed, and I think he's highly credible, um, has said that it, the only problem with this election had been the write the number of write-ins. Each of those had to be counted individually. Mm-hmm. Many write-in votes, you know, of course, illegible, or some were for, voted for fictional characters. They decided not to count those. But out of the 5,000 provisional votes and the uh, 20,000 uh, write-in, 22,000, something like that, write-in votes, um, each one was looked at and counted uh, according to our Secretary of State, and they should stand. So this lawsuit that uh, Roy Moore filed, uh, I guess it was yesterday? Uh, it was late yesterday mm-hmm. in the 11th hour. Mm-hmm. What what did he do? what did he say in this lawsuit, uh, other than the election fraud uh, charges? What, what 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 was filed? You know, it's it's interesting because he put it on his Facebook page. Um, the complaint um, saying says that three independent election experts agree that the election fraud occurred, and it's enough to reverse the outcome of the mm-hmm. election. Um, Interestingly enough, he also took a polygraph, and separate from this, he took a polygraph indicating that he was telling the truth, um, that he didn't know any of the young women who claimed sexual misconduct. Uh, but back to the press release, he's saying that three national election integrity experts reached the same independent conclusion, quote, with a reasonable degree of statistical and mathematical certainty that election fraud occurred, saying that uh, the, the affidavits in the complaint agree that there were irregularities in 20 precincts of Jefferson County alone, mm. and that's enough to reverse the outcome of the election. If... if- now, yeah. If if it's if, if there's an appearance, uh, sometimes that's enough. And as I was watching these election results roll in, uh, when, when this election occurred back in the, was it guess it was, was it December November was it? Gosh, I get so so far back it was, now. It was December twelfth. Yeah, and so I remember watching these come in, and and uh, in, in this county is it Jefferson County there in Birmingham was one of them, but the, the, these are sort of the more densely populated, more urban areas. And I said, boy, I guess if you were going to steal an election, this is how you would do it. Unfortunately, that doesn't prove that that happened. It it does uh, give folks who are looking at and looking for these kind of irregularities, uh, I guess, cause to believe that things could have gone down this way because they came in later these are the results that came in later now there are many reasons why that could happen uh it mm-hmm. just takes longer to count the votes that sort of thing um but boy in this day and age where we don't trust anybody or anything donna this has got to have a lot of folks scratching our heads at some point well we thought this was over and done and uh and that we could move forward as a state but mm. now now they're going to look into every vote. It, it appears yeah. that's what he's going to. It seems that's the path he's going to take, mm. because they, they, the votes are likely. They're going to be certified today. The Secretary of State saying this is going to happen. But even if it does happen, as I said, there's 72 hours in which he could ask for a recount. And yes, every vote then will be. will have to open up these machines and take a look at them. And uh, our Secretary of State told me that photographs are taken of every vote. Sure. And, but in this case, the actual ballots were kept just to be sure. 
in, in the past, they just accept the photograph. So um, I'm really glad that, that those measures were taken because it looks like we're going to be living with this controversy for quite a while. How long, uh, if this does go to a recount and he's able to come up with the money, how long are they looking at for a recount, have they said? They have not given a timeline on that. I would imagine if it took two or three weeks to uh, do the original count, I, mm-hmm. I would think a secondary count would be less than that. So, um, you know, I don't know what the law provides for in that case. Uh, that's a good question for our Secretary of State, but I would imagine it would be less than the original uh, count. Uh, I, 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 you know, I just, um, the only thing that comes to mind in terms of uh, voter fraud that that they could allege was that people were picked up in, in nursing homes and so forth and driven to the polling place, but that's not fraud. That's there, there was a video... There, there was a video, and Donna, maybe you remember, there was a video of a woman who was interviewing someone that night uh, of the election at uh, Doug Jones' headquarters as they were celebrating. And he mentioned in the video that they had come from all over uh, the country to, to, to help out, whether that was vote. They'd come from all over to vote or not, or whether they were just volunteers. There's a little bit of a discrepancy there, and that led... Uh, uh, to a statement from uh, Secretary of State there in Alabama, John Merrill, to say we will look into this. Any word on that? Yeah, he did look into it, and he said uh, that they went back and they looked. Uh, they found out who that person was. Uh, he told me it took a lot of digging, but he used Facebook, he used social media. They tracked down the original person. They spoke with them to determine if that was true uh, and found that the guy was just, you know, exaggerating and just making stuff up and just being flippant. He was not. There was no evidence that there were outsiders coming in to vote in Alabama. And I, I will tell you, I went to the polls myself, and I, I went to several polls within driving distance of my house, and just observed the flow of traffic. It was very heavy. And uh, I saw voters come out of the woodwork, people I normally don't see. And I also asked them at the bowling, polling places, uh, unofficially, you know, how is it going? And, and, and people are saying, yeah, we've never seen traffic like this. And, mm. they, and uh, people I've known through the years telling me that they maybe didn't vote for the past 20, 30 years, but they mm-hmm. were not going to miss this election. So I just think you saw heavy turnout, and I and you had people who were impassioned because they didn't want Alabama to elect Roy Moore, and so they came out in force, um, although the margins are slight for Doug Jones. Donna Francovillo, we appreciate a reporter there in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, giving us the latest on this story, and we'll continue to follow it. <laughs> I hate to say it, but unfortunately, as it develops, right? Yes, unfortunately. Thank you, Donna. I appreciate you being with us, man. Who knows where this ends? I mean, uh, I, I just, I can't, there's no way to predict this stuff anymore. My good buddy Adam Davis, who I'm going to try and get on the phone here in uh, just a moment, down in Alabama himself. I can't imagine what the good people of Alabama are going through with this whole thing. And let's talk voter fraud if we can. Actually, I've got a guy here. I'm going to try and get this guy on the phone, too, a little later on today. Got a guy who wrote a book about election fraud. And if you look at uh, Roy Moore's statement on his Facebook page, he gets a little more technical and I think a little more in-depth than what's being reported. 
So we'll kind of dig into some of this. But, you know, it's really not hard to steal elections. A, a national election, a little tougher. But when you've got a local, especially a statewide, a little easier. And some of the things that he's seen, documented, and put forth over the years in his book, this guy that I know, he's a local guy. That would be shocking. It would shock you some of the things that he's seeing, some of the very easy things to accomplish. We'll talk about all those things and why you should be concerned. Coming up right after this, in for Pat Gray today, Unleashed, it's Barkley on The Blaze. Pat Gray, The Blaze Radio Network. Returns on the Blaze Radio Network. Triple A nine hundred thirty three ninety three. You want to join the show? You can get in at uh, Justin at JustinVarclay dot com. B A R C L A Y. The blog and email at Mister Justin Barkley on the Twitters. Uh, the Roy Moy story I, I think is important for a number of reasons. Number one, I, I think this is pretty much. Uh, I mean, it's an overall kind of glimpse at how we view the world these days. Yeah, there's a possibility of voter fraud, so it should be investigated, but how far out do we take this? And now do, do you believe, like, hey, you know, if our candidate doesn't win, is it uh, because of voter fraud, or is this just a simple situation of, well, you know, and I like to use that Occam's razor theory, which is, hey, look, the simplest answer is usually the right answer. Bad candidate. Or is there more to it? More to it. Okay, that's enough. Adam Davis joins us right now. Author, entrepreneur, great guy, theadamdavis.com, former law enforcement and a hostage negotiator. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw as much stress there on the job, uh, Adam, as as you have probably over the last uh, a couple of months with this uh, Roy Moore <laughs> election. I mean, it's pretty... It's pretty tight, man. I was thinking about you again today. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, poor Adam and everybody else in Alabama. My thoughts and prayers are with you in your time of need here, man. You guys are going through it. This thing won't uh, quit. It's a story that won't go away. No, just go away. It's, it's you know, are we disappointed? Um, you know, there's some that are disappointed. Uh, I try to remain neutral on, on my approach to this. Um but at the end of the day, uh, I think we've—I think we're kind of beating a dead horse. Um, and the secretary is that the one that Roy it. rode in on when he voted, or <laughs> no pun intended? Yeah. <laughs> what are you? Uh, you I know hope that thing's okay. I mean, you know, Secretary uh. of State said that he's not going to stop the uh, you know the certification of the of the votes, and and it's uh, and Doug Jones is going to be sworn in January. It's a done deal, and. I think that at this point, you know. But you, but you, and that sounds great. But you know, he still can get a recount. He's got seventy-two yeah, hours. It's, it's going to cost him a lot of money. Um, then he's got know, he's got that, over half of it, though. Yeah, he he does. It's, uh, but it's. I think we're ready to move on. 
you know, it's you're not going to see a twenty thousand count, uh, twenty thousand more votes come in to make a difference. I, I just don't think maybe maybe we're totally wrong here. But have you uh, read? Second, go ahead. I was just going to say, have you read anything in the disclosure of what he what he what he posted on his Facebook, and when it comes to the voter fraud, have you read any of that? No, no, I haven't. Um, I haven't read it. Uh, I, I do know that. You know that it's a difficult pill to swallow. That he's, you know, he's saying that how can there be, you know, such a large turnout in certain areas for uh, Doug Jones? Uh, at the end of the day, there's a lot of Republicans voting for a Democrat candidate. A lot of Republicans, and uh, and yeah, that hurt him. And then of course, all the writing votes was, you know, people wasting a vote writing in. Charles Barkley or Nick Saban or, you know, uh, Phil Robertson. Yeah. I mean, that's just throwing away a vote. You know, yeah. are you satisfied with who you've got to choose from? No, but don't waste it. I mean, that's your right, I guess, but, you know, it's, it's wasting a vote. Um, and at the end of the day, Roy Moore lost. It's a difficult pill to swallow anytime you lose, but move on and prepare for the next one if you're going to run again. You know, but our recount is not going to make that big a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not going to give him a victory. It's just, it's just not. It's not going to give him a victory. He lost, and 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 it's it's just another black eye on Alabama. I mean, it's just another, uh, you know, another smear against Alabama. And I'm and I'm ready, uh, as many are, to to move on and and start building on 2018. All right. So, you know, listen. You and I were talking, again, I hate to hash through it. It seems like every time I fill in, there's something else about this Alabama thing, and I'm like, well, i got to go straight to the source. Let me get Adam on. And I think you've been on this show almost as much as I have here. Uh, I have. Certainly certainly more than Pat over the last uh, couple of – but the question is, uh, Adam, how do we get to this point? So we're at this scenario where you and I – Sitting there uh, texting that night, and I said to you, I go, yeah, I tell you what, man, if you're, again, I have to preface this, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but, uh, boy, if you're ever going to steal an election, Mm -hmm. this is how you do it. And I said, yeah, this is, yeah, this, this, the appearance of this is bad enough. It is, it is, but, uh, again, uh, I think we have to, I think we have to look at uh, the truth, and the truth is you've got a very limited number of, of claims coming into the or going into the office of the secretary of state uh, of voter fraud and and a very very small fraction of those are factual and so you've got to understand that many of the sources that you are getting uh, regarding voter fraud are not factual and so you know getting to the getting to the truth is is difficult sometimes and that means actually having to read more than just a headline or or going beyond the the you know the enticement of clicking on something that looks like it may be true uh and finding the truth so that means you know so 70 to 80 maybe uh i think was the last count i read uh accusations of voter fraud and 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 only a handful of those were were accurate um you know it's 
I think Roy Moore's wasting his time and money. I, I just, I do. I, I really do. I think he just lost fair and square. Uh, is there is there voter fraud in Alabama? I'm sure there is, uh, but is it widespread? Like you know, I don't I don't think it's a rampant issue. I, I just I don't. Let me uh, let me give you uh, Adam some of this. By the way, we're speaking with Adam Davis right now. TheAdamDavis.com. Good friend of mine. He's an author, entrepreneur, uh, former law enforcement hostage negotiator. And here's what here's a uh, part of this. As an Alabamian, here is part of this of what uh, Judge Roy Moore says about 12 hours ago on Facebook. Um, An election complaint was filed today on behalf of Roy S. Moore and Judge Roy Moore for U.S. Senate in the Circuit Court of Montgomery, Alabama. Purpose of this complaint is to preserve evidence of potential election fraud and to postpone the certification of Alabama's investigation. Uh, Hold on. lost my place the certification of this uh this election so he says three national election integrity experts reached the same independent conclusion with a reasonable degree of statistical and mathematical certainty election fraud occurred so he's got three separate people who have submitted affidavits and and weighed in on this these are so-called election fraud experts the election experts who submitted affidavits in the complaint agree that irregularities in 20 precincts of jefferson county alone are enough to reverse the outcome of the election. Richard Charnin, who holds three degrees in applied mathematics and who has written four books on election fraud, calculates the probability of the election results in these precincts happening naturally is less than one in 15 billion. Also provided in the complaint as an affidavit from Judge Roy Moore, stating he successfully completed a polygraph test, confirming the representations of misconduct made against him during the... Now, I don't know why they put this in here other than to say... This weird. Yeah. <laughs> They put this in here. Hey, see, he was railroaded from the beginning kind of thing. And I think it just sort of like makes you think it just adds more doubt to it. So it yeah. kind of makes you think about this. And and and, and honestly, um, you know, what are we supposed to do when we we want to make and draw conclusions about our process? I mean, here we are. Mm-hmm. We're in a time and, and age when. You know, we're talking about here in Russian collusion and, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, issues with the actual presidential election. And, mm. yeah, we really are living in confusing times. And at the end of the day, this is what uh, enemies of the United States of America and en- enemies of our democracy, right, enemies of, of uh, our country want to see anyway. They want to see this conflict, this chaos, this confusion. That's, right. That's what they're looking for. Oh, they love it, you know, but. You know, if if he's given that right to to a recount and he's got the the funds to do it, then all power to him. I just I don't know who his sources are, the credibility. I know um, I, I know that I know what Secretary of State John Merrill said. He's you know they're not going to stop the certification and they're not going to stop uh, having uh, Doug Jones swore in in January and and listen. Uh, I want I want it to be uh, right. I want it to be accurate. I want, if there is voter fraud, I want it to be brought to the forefront, and I want to prosecute it like anybody else would. But um, I just I don't know that we're going to see that happen. I just I really don't know that we're going to see that. I mean, what would that mean if they flip the table on on? A, I mean, it would be worse than. Than Steve Harvey announcing, you know, the wrong, the wrong, wrong winner of the pageant. I mean, one of the Oscars last year. 
Yeah. Oh well, my gosh. I mean, it would be well, awful. I'd feel really bad for you guys because you'd be right in it again. I mean, yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know would what would happen. Unprecedented. unprecedented. I honestly can't. I can't tell you. I don't know what the next <clears throat> phase of this would be. You know, does he go? Does he go to Washington? Um, is he met there with some sort of uh, investigation? Because they've they've kind of already said that they were gonna. <laughs> They were going to fight that whenever he comes, but I got to tell you, man, I'm looking at this at this Facebook page. This thing's got 919 shares. There's over 2,000 likes on it. You know, there's mm-hmm. about 800 comments or so, 750 comments, and and they are everything from agreeing with him to completely disagreeing with him. So, oh yeah, sure, sure. Uh, well, you know, uh, if 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 the if the recount over, this is a huge if overturns the election and and he indeed is the winner, which is a long shot in my uh, humble opinion. Um, he's going to be met with great contention, and it's going to be a long, long term, and it's going to just be nothing but uh, bickering and drama for Alabama uh, while he's in office. Not just not because of him. Not saying he's going to start it. But that's just what you're going to face. I mean, you 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 know, uh, you're talking overturning one of the largest uh, elections, one of the most significant elections in Alabama's history, uh, in a major election. Uh, you know, it's 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 going to be huge. It's going to be a mess. It's going to mar Alabama some more. And I think we're ready just to move on, man. Let's let's go into 2018 with a little bit of peace and hope and. And you know what? If he wants to run again in a couple of years, go for it. But let's just put this one to bed. Speaking of 2018 and moving forward, Gay, can you hang on for a little bit with us? I want to come back yeah. to you if you can. Yeah. Uh, sure. Adam Davis joins us, entrepreneur. Uh, he's an author, theadamdavis.com. Some great books. We'll talk to uh, Adam when we come back. Quick break here on the Blaze Network. We're uh, in for uh, Pat Gray Unleashed today. We'll talk to you right after this. Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray Unleashed. All right, I think, uh, by the way, I think I, I got a guy here who uh, is local guy in my uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan area. I met this guy. He wrote a book on election fraud, voter fraud. And I, I think I've got him lined up to come on and talk with us around 1 o'clock. So listen, listen in for that. That's going to be fun. Adam Davis is on the phone with me right now. Adam, by the way, the name of this book, if you want to check this out, The Election Manipulator's Manual is is what it's called. How to Spot Election Fraud and Stop It. So we'll get his take on it cuz if you if you look at this uh if you look at this statement by Judge Roy Moore and you kind of dig down into it, he talks about having three different experts who have said that they believe there was some sort of voter fraud happening in Alabama. Uh, he goes on to say that uh, this is not a Republican or Democrat issue. 
as election integrity should matter to everyone. Mm-hmm. It so, should. <laughs> it should. We should all be concerned with uh, with integrity of our election process at every level, not just on a on a statewide election, but at every level. Uh, but at the end of the day, they they're they're ran by human beings and and. Uh, you know, there's there's going to be some election fraud, but I don't know that it's as widespread and rampant as, as what we're as what we're hearing. I'd I'd be shocked if if it was. I I think that um, if it's enough to overturn, you know, overturn this election, it would be it would be uh, it would be huge. I think it, I think it would call for some major reform in our election process uh, if if it is if that's the case. We're going to get down, we'll kind of get down to the uh, bottom of this. We'll dig in and see, because the, the, the way this happened that night, I still remember the news outlets mm-hmm. being very uh, tight-lipped, yet you could tell they wanted to say something they couldn't quite say, that they knew that there were quite a few votes that were that were still in counties that were very left-leaning, right, in these urban centers in these cities that were going to come back. And depending upon that turnout, that would would sway uh, the results then. I still remember watching both CNN, (laughs) Fox, they both both mentioned this specifically. So that, I think, gave a lot of folks, especially if you look at how this plays out, you know, you got... (laughs) You, you got a back and forth from the beginning on this. Uh, Trump comes out and he says he wants to support uh, his original pick, which was uh, what was that guy's name? Um, was it? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't more. <laughs> that's the thing. You know, he's over two in supporting a Republican in Alabama. That's uh, in a recent election, and it was uh, oh goodness, what's the guy's name? He's he, uh, it was running against more initially. I can't think of his name right now. Um, I have to look it up. Uh, let's see. Anyway, I can't. I can't remember his name right now. Um, uh, I can't think of his name. I remember he came out. He did a. He did a. Uh, I think he even campaigned for him. I think he did a stop for the yeah. guy. Luther yeah, Strange. Luther Strange. It may, it may have been Luther, but there was somebody that he ran against before that. Um, Mo Brooks. Mo Brooks. Uh, he, it was Roy Moore, Mo Brooks, and, and Luther Strange, and Roy That's Moore it. ran away with that, and uh, and so uh, you know he didn't support Moore in that, uh, but he did whenever it came down to Roy Moore versus Doug Jones. So. Um, yeah, so he, uh, this, it was, uh, Alabama shocked a lot of, it shocked America, you know. If you and, remember, uh, <laughs> if you go back and remember this, Adam, and this is, this is, I think the thing that, that, that leads hmm. people kind of down this path of, of saying, well, this, this smells like something's rotten here in Denmark. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, say you had, you had this kind of uh comedy of errors, um, mm-hmm. You know, after he gets through the primary, Roy Roy Moore wins his primary, gets through, and he goes, now he's going to face uh, Doug Jones. That's when all these accusations, all these allegations came out. They, they, nothing, 
nothing was revealed, nothing came out until right about that time. Then you start to hear story after you still got questions about and listen, uh Roy Moore's acted kind of strange throughout these this entire uh, event now he's included that he's taken this polygraph. Why didn't he do that sooner? I mean, why, there's so yeah, many questions. <laughs> a lot sooner. That's, that is strange, uh, and it, I don't, I don't think any of us have an explanation for that. Uh, oh, why? I don't think we can. <laughs> that is just that, that yearbook, that yearbook I mean, that came out. You know, that was signed. There, there was uh, some sort of. I think indication that maybe uh, that that thing was forged in some way, and then, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 Judge Moore saying I don't even know some of these people. So then you have that, and on top of it, then you go into this uh, the actual election, and you start to see that you know uh, there were some irregularities with the way the votes came back. So it's got a lot of people scratching their heads, and it leaves us again in a situation where I think. Uh, yet again, we've got a recurring theme here where we just don't. And, and I think it's this this theme that I see of um, this absolute in all areas of our lives, government, it could be uh, private yeah. in every sector that we're seeing this disruption on, on every single angle. Um, and our institutions are just being turned upside down. It's, what it's does that do to us as know, a people? Well, we live in a very... Um, we live in a dark world. There, there, there is corruption in uh, in every facet of our society at some level, some degree. Uh, you know, and if we focus on looking at the darkness and and all that's wrong, it can it can get very depressing. Uh, and that's my mission in life is to be a voice of encouragement, to be a light of hope, and to point people to that hope. And and uh, that's what I'm doing through the books I write. And right now, my focus is encouraging uh, law enforcement officers and through uh, biblically based devotions. And uh, you know, that's that's my goal. And, I, and I'm writing a daily devotion on my website that's for anybody, and they can get that for free. But it's it's we can focus on the darkness. We can focus on everything that's wrong, and bury ourselves under it. Uh, or we can find hope and work towards finding a solution and making things right. And that's not going to happen overnight. We're not going to fix everything overnight. But we've got to make the right decisions and base it on the right motives, and come together uh, to to make you know to make things better. We've, we've got to fix this. And is there a call for uh, investigations for fraud, uh, election fraud? Uh, is there a need for election reform? Is there a need for for change, uh, maybe, but I'm not the one to to address that. What I can address is the heart of man, and uh, help and encourage people to find hope and 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 know that, you know, we don't have to continue to suffer and deal with with the darkness. We could we could be a light to the world. You know, it's just another reminder too, Adam, that uh, yeah. all these things that we put our faith in, whether they be government right. institutions, whether they be men or women that we put on pedestals as heroes and, and, and God bless some people do a lot of great things, but <laughs> celebrities or, or some of these other folks, they're just, uh, they're bound to fall because that's they just, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's just yeah, who they'll, we are. They'll fall, but there's one that stands the test of time and that's, uh, that's who I point folks to. And you know what? Uh, he changed everything for me and man, I'm, I'm so thankful for it, but you know, Alabama's in a mess, uh, but God's still on the throne. And, uh, 
and I will continue to, to do what I do regardless of what goes on around me, and I'll continue to encourage and give people hope and inspiration because that's why I'm, that's why I'm here. And, a little uh, bit of hope and, and faith and inspiration, and we appreciate right. all the work you do. <laughs> TheAdamDavis.com. Spirit and Truth is, uh, is on that second edition. You can check out that book or the new one coming out, Behind the Badge, 365 devotion, daily devotions for America's law enforcement. If you know somebody or care about somebody that's serving, you want to make sure you get them those books from Adam. Thank you for joining us, Adam. Back in just a moment, it's Justin Barkley and for Pat Gray. Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network. is here on the Blaze Radio Network. In for Pat Gray today, it is Justin Barkley. We're unleashed on the Blaze. You can get us 888-900-3393. Join the program at 1-888-3-8. Right? 888 And then a 900 and then a 3393. That's how you join in. If you want to get in on the phone line, you can. The phone fun, always good. Also an email, justin at justinbarclay, B-A-R-C-L-A-Y dot com, at Mr. Justin Barclay on the Twitters. And I wanted to reach out and talk to somebody who I've had a pleasure of meeting in person and talking to locally on the on my local show here on Wood Radio in Grand Rapids, a guy named Jerry Fennell. And Jerry, you actually wrote a book all about voter fraud, election fraud, how they are able to rig elections, and uh, it's called the Election Manipulator's Manual, How to Spot Election Fraud and Stop It. And, Jerry, uh, you and I have talked kind of extensively about this, but this goes all the way back to your days as a young man. Oh, yes, it does. Uh, I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina in the 60s, and it was run like Chicago. Uh, One party had run it for over 100 years, and I was actually the first Republican clerk in Precinct 7 in downtown Charleston uh, in 1972. And the first lady through the door wanted to know if her teenage son and daughter could vote using her registration card. And all the Democrats said yes. (laughs) And I said no. We had a 14-year-old boy came in with a note from his, said that his grandfather was home on his deathbed and he had his father, grandfather's registration card. And the instructions in the note were to vote straight Democrat before his grandfather passed away. And I had to stop that. And had a 21-year-old man came in with a card that said he was registered to vote in 1906. And the Democrat chairman pulled me over to one side and said, why are you being so nitpicky? So that started my career in keeping a closer eye on elections. I bet it opened your eyes a little bit, and you thought the process was one way. What is it like when you get that real-life education to finding, uh, you know, these kind of things, they just sort of look the other way, and this is just sort of how it's done around here, young man? Well, yeah, I've heard that before. This is the way we do things. And I've been in, I've worked in Houston, Texas, and I've worked here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Uh, In Houston, I went to vote, and I had just moved into a a precinct. And a man running the precinct is sitting there with a phone book, and he says, are you in the phone book? And I said, I don't know. 
I don't care. That's not the law. And he said, well, around here, it's our law. If you're not in the phone book, you're not voting. Hmm. And I said, well, why is that? And he said, well, it takes 18 months to get in the phone book out here. And if you're in the phone book, we know you've been around long enough to know how to vote the right way. <laughs> what was the so, right way, according to that guy? Vote, vote for the incumbent. Yeah. Interesting. So I challenged that, that precinct, and I had it overturned. I came back 30 days later for the replacement election. Uh, same gentleman, but now he's got a computer printout of all the registered voters. And he looks at me and he goes, wait a minute. You're that guy that caused trouble last time. Mm. And I said, yeah. And I said, if I have to, I'll do it again. I want to vote. <laughs> so he gives me a paper ballot. And I said, what is this? I want to vote on the machines like everybody else. Mm. He goes, oh, no. You and your wife have been placed on political probation until you what? can demonstrate to us that you know how to vote the right way. Political wow. probation. I'm supposed to vote a paper ballot, let them review it to determine whether I voted the right way or not before they count it and before they let me vote on a machine like everybody else and have a secret ballot. That's not America. So I challenged that election and I had it mm. overturned. You're just a troublemaker, Jerry. I really. <laughs> that's what the county commissioner said. Yeah, you're just a troublemaker, man. I mean, yeah. uh, can't you just come on, man? You're just causing trouble around here. So well, you, when you, when you've you seen get this in many areas, different places, it sounds like. you know. Yeah, when you get into areas where the same party has run the precincts and the elections for, say, 20 years, 25 years or more, they get settled in their way. And they protect their, their people. And they don't see it as usurping the public will. They see it as doing what's best for the public because they're in charge. Mm. And they manipulate the elections. And in many, I found many precincts that turned in 150% voter turnout. And no, no questions asked. So you, you got to look at the history of the precincts, uh, look at the political makeup of the area, look and see and, and if all parties are represented on Election Day in the precinct. And even if they are, you've got to have somebody with some gonads in there that's going to stand up to manipulation. And in many of the inner city areas of America, the, the, the Detroit inner cities, the Houston inner cities, Charleston at the time, uh, it was just re reaffirm the incumbents. And that's all the elections did. If you once seeing, you got elected, <laughs> once you got elected, you were in for life. We're seeing something right now, Jerry. Um, there's been a there's been a conversation around this voter fraud and this idea of uh, elections being stolen, things like this. And, and, and we, I remember talking to you right around that, uh, November 2016 during the presidential election. Yeah. So we, we have a, uh, you know, we, we've, we've got a good period of time where this sort of thing's at least being talked about. I guess my question 
really comes down to what's happening in Alabama. Judge Roy Moore now has filed a complaint to delay that certification. Uh, looks like that actually is happening as we speak right now in Alabama. The, the certification is still going through. Uh, there's been no indication that the attorney general there, uh, John Merrill in the state of Alabama, intended to uh, not certify this this particular uh, election of Doug Jones, the Democrat there. But when you yeah. read through, even though I guess uh, Roy Moore's got 72 hours if he wants to recount, but he's got to pay for it. It'll be a million dollars, and he's got about 600000 some change in the uh, in the coffers, It's according to some reports. But if you if you read through what he's put on his Facebook page, one of the things he says is that three national election integrity experts reached the same independent conclusion with a reasonable degree of statistical and mathematical certainty election fraud occurred so uh what they say is that these experts submitted affidavits in the complaint agree that irregularities irregularities in the 20 precincts of uh of jefferson county and 20 of the precincts of jefferson county alone were enough to reverse the outcome of the election uh, Richard Sharnan, who holds three degrees in applied mathematics and who has written four books on election fraud, calculates the possibility of the election results in these precincts happening naturally is less than one in 15 billion. So the question is, what exactly, uh, what dirty trick, what election manipulation do you believe was happening or does it sound like may have been happening in that case? Well, in a lot of states, the countrysides, uh, the rural precincts seem to come in first. Yeah. And yeah. The, the inner cities hold back until midnight, yeah. 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 <laughs> o'clock, until the rest of the state has reported all their votes. And then all of a sudden, <sighs> just enough votes come from the inner oh, city to uh, win the election for one party. Oh. And if you if you look at that and you find that pattern going on in a state, it's highly questionable as to the accuracy of the inner city counts. That's here exactly in, in, what in happened in Alabama. That's exactly what happened in Alabama. And I was watching it that night, Jerry, and I said to a friend of mine in Alabama, we just got talking with this guy on the air just moments ago, and I said to him, as we were watching that night, I go, you know, I don't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist necessarily, I don't have the tinfoil hat on right now, but as the election results were coming in, Judge Roy Moore was ahead, and then you 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 look at the, I saw some of the anchors in some of these news networks that said, you know, but uh, there are these other really uh, big uh, urban areas, these cities, that they just still they have yet to come in, uh, and uh, so we just don't know where this if you get us to swing here. For Doug Jones yeah. there, and then he said, and I said, if you're going to steal an election, this is how you would do it. <laughs> and well, and it's it, I well, I can't. I'm just it's funny same, you say that. Everybody's got the same technology, basically. Uh, you you mark the ballots. You, they're scanned when you put them in the tabulator. Uh, you just got to turn the chip into headquarters to yeah. download it into the main computer, and you've got your totals. So there's no reason for some precincts to take six to eight to ten hours to report their totals. And this is, is what's it, happening here. It, here is it possible they, that they've just got more votes to count, though? I mean, is that possible at all? No, no, they're no. counted. The tabulators, 
count them. As, they scan the ballot as you put it into uh, the ballot yeah, box yeah. with today's technology. So there is no okay. manually counting of ballots unless you're doing a manual recount. Okay, so they is, literally just take that. Too. They take that thumb drive or whatever it might be from that mm-hmm. machine and they plug it in down at uh, down at the like at the, the election city headquarters. clerk's office or county clerk's office, and you've got your totals. So th- there's no reason for a six to eight, ten hour delay. Uh, I I would close up my precinct in a half an hour and be downtown turning my material in within 45 minutes of the precinct being closed. Okay, so let's simple. say, let's say, and, and and by the way, I should let you know, Jerry Fennell's on the phone with us right now. He's the author of uh, of this book that's all about election fraud. And, and Jerry, you and I have had a chance to talk before about this. It's but the it, Election Manipulator's Manual, How to Spot Election Fraud in Your Precinct and Stop It. Uh, and they can get this, what, Barnes & Noble? people. Well, you can go to precinctpeople.com. Okay. Uh, it's also up on Amazon. There you go. So, uh, Jerry, if 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 he gets this recount, if he comes up with a $1 million to do this, are they going to even find anything? Or, you know, because if, if, if these folks in these, if they're sitting back in these urban uh, areas in these cities and they're just, uh, they're popping fake votes in or whatever they're doing into the machine, uh, these fake ballots, it's going to come up. There's not going to be any irreg- irregularity with that. The, the vote's going to stand, isn't it? I mean, what is there well, a possibility? We, we, tried, we tried to have that Trump recount here in Michigan. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. 48, yeah. 48% of the precincts in the, the Detroit area were uncountable because the paperwork was all screwed up. Wow. They turned in thousands of votes for Hillary out of Detroit, and the official records, documents that they found showed that in some precincts, 50 people voted. So the recount really didn't help Hillary at all, and and I think that's one reason politically why it was shut down so quickly, is, is it was exposing what was going on in the east side of the state. Which is the if, urban they were more just density population? They, they were just waiting to see what numbers they needed to turn in, that, irregardless of how the people voted, or or what ballots were turned in. They said, "Ah, we're five thousand short statewide. Let's turn in five thousand votes from this precinct." <sighs> Nobody will check it. You know, we're, and, we're covered politically. And that's that's kind of the hope of, in a situation like this. Now, I think the the number was like. More like twenty thousand when it came to the the difference between well, Trump, Trump won Trump won Michigan by about ten thousand votes. We wow. have eight thousand something precincts. All you've got to do is change two votes in each precinct if you if you want to do it that way, or you can change massive votes in a couple of key precincts. How just, scary! Just, just you know, keep one one party member from voting. For somebody that you don't like, it's one vote change right there, and then manipulate somebody else to vote for your candidate, or just flip a a, a ballot, uh, reverse the numbers when you're reporting them, or something like that. And it's just very easy to do. And, so and if you think you're performing the greater good by manipulating the elections and making sure the right candidate wins, 
then you've got no conscience and you've got no moral compass and you shouldn't be in that position. The ends justify the means. We're seeing this quite often. Um, yes. And, and you've got people that will sell their vote for whiskey or three, four dollars. You've got floater voters that will go from precinct to precinct to precinct and impersonate people that are dead or people that are on vacation. Um, I had I had two ladies in, in the last election. One lady showed up in the afternoon and said, oh, my mother passed away a month ago, and I'm from New York City, and I'm down here cleaning up her house. I know she would, would have wanted me to vote for Hillary today, so I came down to vote. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry about your mother being, being dead, but once she dies, her right to vote ends. And she wanted to argue with me. And then I had another lady that came came into the precinct, and she said, I'm just passing through Michigan, and I thought I would vote. And I said, well, I'm two miles from the pre- uh, freeway. How did you find me? And she goes, well, can I vote? I said, no, you just admitted you don't even live in Michigan. She said, but I want to vote. And I said, well, I'm sorry. Go home. You can't just walk into a precinct and say, I want to vote. Does, does, How many precincts was she doing that to? And who Jerry, let her vote? The, the, this is, part of this is us just being more aware of these kind of things and how easy it is Yeah, for this yeah, system it, it, to be manipulated. The, the voters only vote maybe once or twice a year, and, and they don't know what to look for, what is irregular when they walk into a precinct. So they're not alarmed. But if you study what it should be, what should be happening, what, what should be the norms, and then something sticks out like a sore thumb, it's, it's a red flag. So give me some of those. Uh, campaigning in the precinct. Uh, okay, yeah, you got some good examples. I stopped a yeah, congressman in the hall of an elementary school going down the row, shaking hands with everybody. And I said, excuse me, Mr. Congressman, you can't be campaigning in here. Oh, I'm not campaigning. I'm just saying hello to all my friends. And I'm reminding them to vote my party. <laughs> that's that's campaigning, mister. I'm sorry. You shake another hand, and I'm going to put a handcuff on that wrist. You know, and I kicked him out of the precinct. And uh, I, I went to vote in a precinct. And young lady dressed basically as a cheerleader came up and put her arm on my arm and and led me to the uh, machine. And as I was going into the machine, she said, don't forget to vote for Walter. These things are illegal. And people just smile and go ahead. Can it be as as simple as a newspaper or something like that placed with a favorable yeah. headline out on a desk. Right, right. As you walk in to, to sign up to register uh, to, to to vote that morning, as yeah. could be a newspaper laid out with a headline saying uh, incumbent expected to win big or uh, so-and-so indicted or something like that. That could be uh, detrimental to another candidate and party. Uh, you've got campaign material inside. The, you've got somebody that parks right next to the door. You walk in with a bunch of bumper stickers on the back of their car. 
I got to I got to take out. a quick break here, Jerry. We got to take a quick break. We're going to go through some more of these and why it's so important when we come back. Another uh, another example of what may have happened in Alabama. Regardless, these things are happening in, probably even in your neck of the woods, and you don't even know about it. PrecinctPeople.com is where you can get his book, The Election Manipulator's Manual, How to Spot Election Fraud and Stop It. Jerry Fennell will be right back with us. Sparkly in for Pack Ray today, Unleashed on the Blaze. This is Pat Gray, the Blaze Radio Network. Returns. All right, com is the website. Jerry Fennell's book, The Election Manipulator's Manual. Jerry Fennell written this over years and years and years of his life and experience as he, he experienced this as a young man. Uh, election fraud. We're starting to see and hear more and more about this. I think this is something that a lot of us kind of turned a blind eye to at some point. Uh, Jerry, you, you really starting to see a light spotlight shine well, on this. I'm I'm glad the spotlight is finally on it. Uh, I'm concerned that the media is going to put their sunglasses on mm-hmm. and look the other way. Uh, there's there's so much that goes on in a precinct, and there's so many different ways to manipulate the ballot and the voters uh, before election day, on election day, and after election day that. Uh, we, we've got to get back to some some good, solid Christian values when we run our elections, because our right to vote is a gift from God. Our liberties come from God, not from the government. And we have to protect our rights. And the ballot box is the number one, number one way we do that. And if the ballot box is compromised, even 10 percent, uh, it can change the outcome of, of many elections. We already know, regardless of what actually happened in the uh, general, the presidential election or the special election, we already know that the fix was in with uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, Bernie Sanders in, in the primary. I mean, she she stole her party's nomination basically from uh, from Bernie Sanders. So yes, these types did. of things they're they're, they're happening. Uh, why wouldn't they, if they're willing to do that in their own party? What what do you think they'd be willing to do against each other? Well, uh, it's like I said, in areas where a party has controlled the, the, the voting mechanisms for 20 or more years, we need to stir things up. We need to look at them more closely. We need to look at the outcomes that are reported. We need to look at, make sure that both parties are represented in all the precincts, that the people that are working in the precincts know the law and understand the law. I worked in a precinct. And when I challenge something, the, the chairman goes, what rules are you going by? And I pulled up a copy of the election law book. And he goes, I've never seen that. And I said, well, what rules were you going by? And he says, I've run this precinct for 33 years. Sure. My dad ran it for 30-something years. His dad ran it for 30-something years. Oh, boy. And they told me the only rule they had was that if they could find the building, they were qualified to vote. <laughs> Yep. 
Sounds about and right. That's the way. That's the way they ran the precinct. Uh, it, I worked in a precinct, and at the end of the day, everybody got up and started walking out. And I said, where are you going? Don't we open the back of the machines up, record the, the vote, turn the paperwork into the county clerk's office? And yeah. the chairman goes, oh, I got my numbers last week at the quota meeting. You can yeah. go home now. The Election Manipulator's Manual is the name of the book by Jerry Fennell, precinctpeople.com. Jerry, thanks so much for, for shining a light on this, some of this for us. We really appreciate you being here, sir. Well, thank you for having me. I just want to encourage everybody that when they go to vote, look for things that are not normal, things that should not be there, and challenge them. Mm. Make them prove they're doing the elections right. I will say I've never seen that before, but in this last election, I did see some of that happening in my precinct, and I did appreciate it. Um, there are, the, you know, the people that tend to work in those precincts, man. You know, it's a it's a volunteer position. Uh, no, it's a know, paid position. And on election day, it's a paid position. The primaries may be voluntary, but on election day, they're paid positions in most municipalities. But everybody has a camera. Everybody's got a phone. Everybody's got a hand recorder in their, with their, their phone. If you see something, take a picture. Start taking Jerry Fennell. Start recording. We, we appreciate you being here with us, Jerry. Thank you very much. In for Pat Gray today, Unleashed on the Blaze. It's Barkley. We're back. We'll talk to you next. Pat Gray. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy New Year. I'm allowed to say that, aren't I? I can say Happy New Year. I know we haven't quite gotten there yet, but yeah, I can say it, right? I appreciate it. EJM listening on the Twitter. Thank you for listening in. I appreciate you as always. If you want to tweet to us, you can at Mr. Justin Barclay. At Mr. Justin Barclay. I'm at Justin at JustinBarclay.com, too, on the email, as always. And then triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three a way to get a hold of us there one eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. You know, I was just looking at the Drudge. The headline: Trump matches Obama end of first year. Kind of interesting. Forty six percent approval, fifty three percent disapproval. This seems a little fairer to me, but you know, even with this. I saw some numbers, it's not too much further down on the page, that the mainstream media coverage, it was only 5% positive for Trump throughout the entire year. So you got a, these numbers again, you get a little pop here at the end of the year. A little bit of a, a little bit of a step up, I guess, right? Yet, if you look at the comparison of coverage of the first 60 days, right? And you go all the way back. <laughs> there has never been another 
president that even even came close to the the negative coverage that this this one has gotten. This is Pew Research, by the way, the Washington Examiner dot com. Trump media three times more negative than for uh, Obama, just five percent positive. So here we go. Media's coverage of President Trump has been overwhelmingly negative, more than three times more critical than the initial coverage of former President Barack Obama and twice that of former President George W. Bush and Bill Clinton. Pew Research Center said that the early coverage of Trump was 62% negative. Obama, only 20% negative. Bush, 28% negative. And Clinton, also 28% negative. These are the stories from the first 60 days of each presidency. The first 60 days. Positive? 5% for Trump. There were only 5% of the stories done in the first 60 days positive. And this is taken from, what, some of the mainstream sort of sources. Note, stories coded as positive had at least twice as many positive as negative statements. Negative stories had at least twice as many negative as positive statements. All other stories were coded as neither. Okay, so for Clinton, you had about 44% neither. You had 27% positive, 28% negative. So that's kind of more of a fair. Uh, Bush's looks similar. Bush has had like a 49% uh, sort of uh, neither, right? And a 28% negative, 22% positive, right? So that one's a little more slightly slanted negative. And you go to Obama, and it's just like the exact opposite. 38% of these stories, and it's a visual thing. You can actually look at these charts. 38% were neither, 20% were negative, 42% positive. There's not a thing that they didn't like about the guy. Only 20% of, the, of, of, of negative stories done, basically. This is content analysis of news stories from national print newspapers, Newsweek, and network TV shows covering the first 60 days, Monday through Friday, of each administration. About 6 in 10 stories on Trump's early days in office had a negative assessment. About three times more in early coverage for Obama and roughly twice that of Bush and Clinton. This is why they're upset. This is why they're freaking out. And this is why it's a possibility that election fraud could be ramping up. I don't know if that happened in Alabama or not. I'm not involved in the investigation, but I'm telling you, if the appearance is there, it is of great concern because we've seen time after time what can happen? Now, I'm not saying this Judge Roy Moore is a great guy. You should We should all get behind him or that he isn't uh, without clean. You know, I don't know. What I can tell you, though, is that we should be concerned, and here's why. This guy now, Trump, okay, President Trump, again, if you look at the statistics, he now has a 46% approval rate. He, he matches President Obama's. And that is with that same sort of coverage that I just laid out for you in the first 60 days. 
you imagine what the entire year looks like? Trump is completely skewed, I would imagine. 5%, maybe 5% positive. 62% negative stories. They keep hammering him. They keep hammering him. They keep hammering him. And yet the approval rating is actually going up. It, it looks pretty good. Now, there are some thoughts, by the way, that there are kind of two different Trump presidencies so far in the first year. So some folks are saying, you know, you got like the first, uh, you know, six, seven months up until about July or so. And then you've got the following months that are, were after that. The first several months may have been a little bit more rough. They may have been a little bit more shaky, kind of getting used to getting settled into what was going on there. Maybe and you've seen a lot of. You know, you've seen a lot of uh, turnover. Trying to get the right people in the right positions, possibly. Right? So, now it seems to be that, and there might be more turnover. I saw a story the other, I think it was earlier on Drudge, too, that talked about this. There might be more turnover after the first of the year. There may be absolutely, you might see more of this happen. George has got a story up there right now, actually. White House reshuffle expected in the new year. Operational reshuffle coming at the top level of the White House senior Trump administration officer. Uh, Gianni Stefano is set to assume greater responsibilities and influence, including overseeing the beleaguered White House political operation. Two sources with direct knowledge of the internal deliberation say that De Stefano is expected to assume most of Deputy Chief of Staff Rick Dearborn's responsibilities. Dearborn expected to leave the uh, the White House. So maybe they keep moving. They keep shaking things up. They keep checking out and see how this works. I want to check out how this works. Maybe this will work a little bit better. I don't know. I mean, you've got this, um, at least the appearance of the Obama holdovers and some folks in some places that just aren't able to get things done in this this guy's just going to keep kind of moving the manipulating, moving the pieces around until they fit and they kind of work. You got taxes done. You got the economy. The stock market is rising. Wait until people in February start actually getting money back in their paychecks or they, they get to keep more of their money. Wait until that happens. Oh, you'll start to see these approval ratings move up even further. So why does all this matter again with the uh, the election front? Well, let, let's say that he did. Let's say that Roy Judge Roy Moore does have, give him the benefit of the doubt. Say he's got a good story here. This is the truth. This there was some manipulation that occurred here, and and he's coming forward, and he wants to make sure that this this stuff is, it, it, it sees the light of day. What does that say? Well, I mean, you go all the way back to the presidential election, and these folks said, listen, we're not going to let this happen again. We're going to jump in, and we're going to make sure that we win these elections, and we're going to make sure that we do them the way we always have done them. Look at, look at I mean, the, the stakes are too high. Possibly the only reason why this guy is in office right now is that he was underestimated. 
It's going to be a really interesting year, 2018. I think we've got a lot to come. There will be much more uh, as we continue through to, uh, throughout 2018. And I think as the, the stakes get even higher, boy, it's going to get even more interesting. 888 is the number you can dial in and join us. By the way, speaking of which, you know, we've seen a lot of craziness over the last year. What about the NFL? And, of course, the president coming out and talking about the NFL. Taking a stand doesn't really necessarily seem phased. When he takes on the NFL, matter of fact, he comes out of that on top. This is kind of funny because you'd be thinking, you know, if if you never heard me before, you may be thinking, and I've, of course, had my questions, my thoughts about the president before. You'd be thinking this guy. Nothing bad to say. It's not necessarily 100% true. I don't necessarily think these are all victories, but I do think they're losses. I don't necessarily think it's all Trump. I think it's possibly the American people and the power that you and I have that we definitely maybe don't understand or, or, or realize on a daily basis. Because I'll tell you something about the NFL. Sure, the Trump coming out and talking about this is, is one thing. But he's not saying anything that the average person isn't already thinking. And I think that's what's really resonating what's happening now. You've seen the league in more and more trouble. You've had the, you've had the issues, them jumping into politics. Now, of course, the, uh, the, con- the whole issue with the concussions now. Not to mention the game's kind of hard to watch. Every time they replay this and replay that, and they're always changing the rules for this. Was that a pass? Was this thing caught? You know, uh, was it? Was this touchdown? I mean, it's just it's 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 almost impossible to watch an NFL game anymore. Almost impossible. CNN reported Wednesday the National Football League made the decision to cancel its upcoming Sunday night football game which also happens to be the last game of the season. Instead, all the Week 17 games will occur during the daytime. I think the ratings are so bad, by the way. They went back and and looked at this. When was the last time they did a New Year's Eve game? According to this article on The Blaze, blaze theblaze.com, well, the first Sunday night NFL game aired New Year's Eve. This will be the first one since 2006. Green Bay Packers played the Chicago Bears. Packers game lost to deal or no deal. The Packers-Bears game lost to deal or no deal. You remember that TV show? It's not even on anymore. I think that might be on a reruns or something or some sort of like syndicated programming that only shows during the daytime. But they lost to a game show. Football lost to a game show. In the coveted 18-49 to 49 demo that New Year's Eve. Raising sh- a rating showed that the 2006 uh, New Year's Eve game was an average of 4.7 out of 15 in adults 
just 13.4 million viewers in total. So instead, they're moving that game back up. I guess it's going to be played in either that uh, 1 o'clock game or the 4.30 game or whatever. All the games now air either on Fox or CBS. More ratings issues. Bottom line here for the NFL. Bad news for uh, Judge Roy Moore. Court says certification of voting results from Alabama's special Senate election should proceed. So will he get that recount? I guess he's got 72 hours. That should be an interesting, interesting conversation. He got about a million dollars. He got a million dollars to get this recount done. He's got about 600000 Where do you go out and get the four? Where does that come from? Huh? Interesting times in the Roy household. Do you think maybe he's got to sell one of those horses that he rode in on? Triple eight, nine hundred, thirty-three, ninety-three. Gonna call grab your calls. Do you still watch the NFL or are you over it as well? Because I'm telling you, I, I have watched less and less football this year than I think I have any other year. And when I say football, I mean pro football. Still watch a pretty good amount of college, but I'm just over it. And is this just a, another piece of that puzzle? Is this just another symptom of the bigger issue? Love to hear from you. We'll continue the conversation next. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Coming up a little bit after two o'clock, we'll dive a little bit deeper. Give you a chance to weigh in. But at two o'clock, another symptom of the economy booming: home sales. Does this have anything to do with taxes? By the way, I think I just saw another big company came out with another bonus or a wage increase or something. I have to look that up, see what that was. The good news continues to pour in. And that good news continues next, right after this. Sparkly in for Pat Gray today, Unleashed on the Blaze. Pat Gray, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, there's a bombshell breaking right now on the Drudge Report. Saw this. It's about Dr. Phil. Before I get to that, let me just say this. Just saw a story. And I don't, you know thing about the president is that he's really, you know, they said he's racist. That's that's a problem. That's the thing most people hate about this guy. So they did a little digging in the numbers. Mexican data shows 26% fewer Mexicans repatriated January to November 2017. Trump has vowed to expel millions of undocumented immigrants. But here's the headline. Sorry, I buried the lead. Trump sends fewer Mexicans home despite deportation talk. Oh, and not fewer, like, fewer than what he said he was going to do. 
by the way, he sent fewer Mexicans back home this year through November than Barack Obama did in the same period in 2016. Now, this article is almost making this a... It's, of course they would, right? Making this like something... It's, it's something bad that he's done. Despite his promises to do so... <laughs> oh, the guy can't win. He really can't. And, and I, I, I hate to say it. Like I said, I mean, I, I, had, a, I had other choices... I had other people that I I would have rather had seen. Especially when we're in the primaries here. So Trump wasn't my first pick. But gosh, I mean, the more I see this guy get hammered and hammered day after day, I, I, I'm like you. I think a lot of us folks are starting to galvanize around this guy. I think there are a lot of folks that are starting to come together around this guy. Despite the way they felt in the beginning. I'm not, I, that's just my that's just my instinct here. I don't I don't know about where you stand on this deal. I'd love to hear from you. Dr. Phil, by the way, Bombshell says he rescues people from addictions. Others say his show put guests health at risk. He's accused of giving booze and drugs to addicts. Dr. Phil. Let's go to Mike in North Carolina. Mike's on the phone at 888-900-3393. Appreciate you calling in. Mike, how are you, man? Hey, I'm doing all right. It's good to talk to you again. Hey, you too, man. Um, You're a big NFL fan? Yeah, I used to be. Um, I think uh, it was back uh, two years ago when Kaepernick started the whole thing, and um, I just stopped it. You know, I said I'm not going to do it until it stops. Well, it hasn't stopped. It's only gotten worse. So I just – and it's sad because I've been a Carolina Panthers fan since 95 when they started. I remember I was a kid, and I was like, yeah, we finally got a team. And it hurts. But here, here's what I'm doing. Um, since it hasn't stopped, I said, okay, well, then I'm going to boycott all the sponsors. Pepsi, I don't drink Pepsi no more. Papa John's, I don't eat that no more. Um, anything that advertises like Bud Light, anything, you know, whatever. I just don't. And that's the only thing we can do to, I mean, it's a slap in the face to the military. They have to pay. The military has to pay for advertisement. I mean, come on. They should be doing that anyway. You know, Mike. I, I don't necessarily think that I want to agree with uh, maybe boycotting some of the, the advertisers or brands. Um, I'm not a big boycotter, but I definitely understand where you're coming from. You know, uh, mm-hmm. when you look at look at the disrespect, and I, I would just put it this way. I To me, you know, somebody who's in marketing and business, small business owner, you got to look at, like, knowing your customer and understanding something mm-hmm. very simply. Well, the NFL doesn't, not only that they do not know their customer, but they absolutely uh, disrespectfully, disgracefully spit in their customer's face. Exactly. Uh, you know, that, that's what uh, uh, Glenn Beck said, uh, start writing down like a journal of events. And uh, I'm, I've been doing that for five years, and that, that's exactly what I've written down. I mean, you're, it's not liberals. It's not, it's not the liberal uh, college uh, uh, kids watching football. It's usually, uh, you know, conservatives. And, you know, you can look at the stands. Plus, the NFL pays no taxes. I mean, they, they don't pay. I mean, they ain't paying their fair share. 
and they have and they they live better than than I'll ever live. I mean, it's it's just it's not right. So, Mike, you're done with the NFL. Let me ask you: Would you yes, watch an alternative pro football? I've heard a little whisper here and there. You're talking about uh, uh, Vince McMahon's uh, wait, XFL? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I remember, remember the when XFL. <laughs> yeah, the XFL. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do. Well, it was it, brutal. <laughs> yeah, I think oh, there's some talk of the, about them bringing that back. Would you watch that? Yeah, I, I probably would. Yeah, um, if uh, you remember, um, I think Linda McMahon. She ran for uh, uh, some seat, and uh, she's conservative. Uh, well, a Republican. I mean, there's really two different things. Conservatives aren't necessarily Republicans anymore, or the other way around. But yeah, I, I'd probably check it out. All right. But second of all, what about as a Panthers, as a Panthers fan? Yeah. We got to wrap up here. But as a Panthers fan, what yeah. do you think about the uh, the owner selling the team? <laughs> If Kaepernick and uh, Combs uh, buys it, I'm definitely done. Mike, appreciate you calling in. North Carolina will be too. All right. Good to talk to you. Hey, you have a great day. 888-933-93 is the number. You can join us anytime we come back. We're going to take a look at home sales, maybe another indicator of how strong the economy is and what's really going right and what's really going on here in our country. Just may not hear about this if you watch the news anywhere else. Pay attention. We're back. And for Pat Gray Unleashed today, it's Barkley on the Blaze. Pat Gray, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, welcome back in. Triple A 933-93. Barkley and for Pat Gray today on the Blaze. By the way, the IRS says, hold on, not so quick. Hold up on that. If if you're about ready to make this next move tax-wise for 2018. That's story coming up here in a little bit. We're talking about the tax, of course. Uh, the economy on fire. Part of this is, uh, I think, if you're looking at this, is the uh, the home sales story, which is, you know, we're seeing uh, numbers for existing and new homes are just like, through the roof uh, lately. And, and joining us to talk a little bit about this is Alex Dubay. He is, of course, the CEO at DoorHomes.com. Hey, Alex, thanks for joining us today, man. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Glad to be here. So uh, big news on both fronts here existing and uh, and new homes what what's driving this what is uh i mean even uh, looking at the story even though folks really aren't getting uh they're not getting paid more they're not making more money um but uh but but people are, are deciding it's time to jump into a new house what's the deal well, I think you hit the nail on the head. The economy is on fire, and, and while that may not be uh, entirely uh, spread across the, the country evenly, I, I think certainly on the higher end, uh, you're seeing a lot of activity. And in addition, I think there's some fear that interest rates are going to continue rising, and so you better get in while they're getting good, so to speak. Uh, you see historically low interest rates, and, and they've been that way for the past decade or so, obviously. But uh, if we're seeing a, a, an uptick over the next few years, I think a lot of people are wanting to get in now where they can lock in those interest rates for the next 30 years. So, yeah, we saw that uh, most recently. Uh, interest rates uh, gone up a tick. Uh, looks like that's the forecast. They're going to go up maybe once, twice. Who knows how many times over the 
course of the next year, and uh, that can make a big difference over the course of 30 years when you're talking about buying a home. Yeah, it absolutely is. And and you're seeing, I think, kind of a dark underbelly of the situation here is that a lot of the homes, particularly in urban areas, are getting very expensive and, in fact, are getting out of reach of first-time buyers. I think that's kind of a, a sad part of the story here is that home sales are up. You see a lot of people selling their houses. But a lot of millennials, a lot of first-time buyers are, are having trouble affording homes now. Uh, recently, in, in November, I think it was, for the first time ever, the average home, uh, new home sale went a touch above $400,000. And that is a historically high number. And uh, in, in years past, frequently, uh, new home buyers, first-time home buyers, could look to new construction to buy an entry-level home in a suburban area. But that's, that, that trend is really going away. So uh, millennials are between a rock and a hard place, I think, in a lot of ways. They've got a lot of student loan debt, and houses are very expensive. Are these the same kids, though? And I, I don't want to say kids because, I mean, I'm almost like on that edge. I'm almost, I guess, considered a millennial. It's more of a state of mind than I think it is the the age range. But, like, are these millennials, are these the same people that are looking at like these trends of, you know, the tiny homes and s- some of them like Reading or, or Airbnb, that kind of thing? You know, I think it, and a really interesting story here is that uh, you see headlines frequently that say millennials are, are wanting to rent, they don't want to buy. But in actuality, millennials have been the biggest home buying population the last three to five years running. And so uh, millennials do want to buy homes. And in fact, the biggest population of millennials is in its late 20s right now. And historically, over the last three decades in the U.S., 31 has been the median age of first-time home buying. So there are actually millions upon millions of millennials who want to buy homes and are just not quite old enough yet. Uh, but beyond that, millennials do want to buy homes. They actually tend to buy out in suburban areas at pretty high rates, which always surprises people when they hear that. I've also heard, though, about these millennials. Alex, maybe you can shine some light on this. Uh, Alex Dubay's on with us for uh, door, uh, DoorHome.com. What's, maybe they were kind of scared by what they saw happen in, in 2018 or scarred, or 2008 rather, scarred by that, uh, that crash and, and seeing their parents and other folks go through some, some tough times. Oh, 100%. I don't think you could be more right because you had so many millennials coming of age, so to speak, uh, coming out of college, entering the job market. Uh, If you graduated in 07 or 08, you came into a really historically tough job market. And I think that certainly made a lot of people gun shy uh, about uh, buying a home. They they saw, as you said, some bad uh, outcomes. Uh, I think on top of that, you have another element of, of millennials being gun-shy because homes are just so expensive now. There's the question of how far can this go? How much higher can prices climb? You know, We have a, a, a roughly a decade ago now uh, an example of a really big uh, downturn, obviously. And uh, might that play out again? That's the question in a lot of first, first-time home buyers' minds. Yeah, well, that's kind of the question I think a lot of people are asking when you look at the an economy and certainly a market that's that's uh, that's on fire. You you gotta ask yourself. Hold on, is is this are we are this thing gonna burst or, or are we gonna continue to see growth? And I think a lot of people are right to ask those questions. Absolutely. Um, I mean, here in, I'm I'm in North Texas. You've seen price run ups around fifty percent over the last five years, and that does have people worried. But I, I think that the the other side of that coin is that so much of the growth now is concentrated in urban areas, uh, Seattle, Southern California, North Texas. Uh, 
so many people are moving into these urban areas, uh, and there's there's both population growth and and migration into them. That's that's creating a lot of demand, and and you can't make more land, as the old saying goes. And so the, a constricted supply of homes is now being bid up higher by an increasingly large number of urban dwellers. We're seeing that where I am locally too. Is I mean West Michigan and Grand Grand Rapids area where I'm doing the show from today, and in this this area has seen uh, tremendous growth. In and uh, and fared much uh, better than uh, than the folks over on the other side of the state in Detroit throughout that that crisis. It's it, it a little bit of a diversification here, so there's different industries. Certainly, there's a lot of food processing things like that that happens over here too. But this downtown area, the revitalization, and it's all condos. And ma- major problem they have here right now is finding more space, as you were just talking about, and, and parking is another big thing they're, mm-hmm. they're looking at. You're seeing that in a lot of central business districts. Here in downtown Dallas, for instance, parking is a major issue that's actually hindering development now. What what can – okay, so what, what's dri- – first of all, what's driving people into the cities? What, what is – what's that focus? Because – I, you know, I like, I work in the city. It's kind of nice to come in here, but at the same time, and I used to live down here, so I understand kind of that draw, but like at the same time, I kind of want to get away and, and go out someplace quiet. And that's, that's kind of where we live. But what is it that's drawing people? Is it convenience? I mean, what are the things that are pushing people back in? I think you're seeing a renaissance in a lot of these uh, in-town areas. Downtown Dallas, for instance, I'll speak to that. I'm, I'm looking at that out my window right now. Uh, it was really purely a central business district for decades. And as it lost prominence and, and work moved up more into the, the northern suburbs of DFW, uh, it really went downhill. And I think in recent years, as people have been looking for yield on their investment dollars, particularly for real estate development deals, uh, downtown Dallas, for instance, central business district Dallas, became kind of one of the last bastions where you could actually find a deal because everything up north had gotten bid up so much. Uh, Detroit, I know, I'm not as familiar with, but you, you saw a very similar uh, situation when uh, 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 Quicken Loans moved downtown, when you see a, uh, a big influx of, of jobs and of commerce, and they were coming out of a historic depression in real estate prices. So it makes it makes the development uh, equation relatively more appetizing when you see prices really low. So we're just seeing a, a shift of capital into those areas that were uh, really forgotten about for the last couple decades. But real estate development cycles are fairly slow. You know, they take five to 10 years. So a renaissance is not something that happens overnight by any means. So moving forward, 2018, does the market stay like this? Uh, I mean, it's so far so good. We're seeing a lot of these companies that are coming out and whether it's PR or, or, or there's legitimacy to uh, some of these companies coming out and saying, look, we're going to raise the minimum wage or we're going to give $1,000 bonuses. Uh, what, what does that do to affect uh, some of these people that might want to buy homes? Yeah, I think everyone who, who guesses what the economy is going to do, ultimately, you know, historically, no one's better than a coin flip. And uh, but I, I think that looking looking to next year, there there's a lot of momentum in the economy, and home prices in particular have a lot of momentum now. Do I think they can continue at a six or seven percent annualized increase? No, I don't, because that's just so far outpacing wage growth. You kind of alluded to that earlier. There has not been a lot of wage growth over the last decade. Uh, and so one of two things will happen, I think. Either home ownership's going to push farther and farther into the upper reaches of uh, earners in the United States, or uh, 
this, this price growth has to moderate because you just can't sustain 7% annualized increases for too long or the amount of people that can afford the homes just dwindles. I got to ask you, since we've got you on the phone, Alex Dubase here from uh, DoorHomes.com, uh, your business, uh, DoorHomes, is, is kind of, it's it's different. And one of the things I've been talking about over the last year, and we, people want to, at the end of the year, kind of look back, what's the biggest story? What's the biggest story about 2017? And from my perspective, I said, you know, it's got to be more than anything. Um, I, I think it's got to be disruption. And I'm not looking at this in, in government and in business and all areas. We're just seeing disruption everywhere. And that's kind of where you're playing with with your startup and what you're doing. Uh, you're disrupting the real estate market. Tell a, a little bit about like what you're doing with uh, with your business and how it works. Yeah, you know, a few years ago, my mom sold her house and she paid a little over $53,000. And she was not rich by any stretch, a single mom. She'd built up a lot of equity. But I just asked myself, how can we let this happen? How, how is it that everyone uses the internet now to find houses and someone can pay that much money to sell a house? So Door uh, is disrupting real estate here in Texas. Certainly, we, we have employee agents who are not commissioned salespeople, as you see in the traditional model. And we only charge a flat $5,000 regardless of the price of the home. And we stage your home. We do professional photographs, 3D model. If you're buying a house with us, we, we refund you all the commission above $5,000. So we really, we've saved people an average of $12,000 so far each. Uh, and that makes me feel really good. I, I think it needed to happen. And we're leveraging technology to make our agents about 12 times as efficient as the traditional agent. They close about 12 times as many homes each year as the average agent does in the country. So the volume is where they're making up the difference is they're just selling more homes. Absolutely. And they're employees. So they're not uh, independent contractors. So we provide them benefits and steady income and all those sorts of things. And at the end of the day, they, they make significantly more than the average independent contractor real estate agent does in the country. Hmm. Fascinated by this. And I, I mean, what do you when you see disruption and you see a different I mean, obviously, as an entrepreneur, you saw a problem and you saw a, a place that, uh, that you wanted to to work on yourself but when you know what do you see areas that uh that are that are ripe for disruption right now you know i i think obviously i i would think this but i think real estate is just a gigantic one the the average american has about 26 percent equity in their home when they go to sell their house and pays 25 percent of that to a realtor in the form of commissions so a quarter of your home equity on average is paid to a real estate agent and you mentioned the word disruption i i think that Disruption is really a code word for making things better for consumers. And so when you look at, at the uh, number of industries out there that have been disrupted over the past decade, I think real estate really stands out as one that, that has not been and needs to be because people spend more money on their homes than just about anything else in the average person's life. And, and to pay 25%, a quarter of your home equity to a real estate agent, I think is just unconscionable. It's got to change. What are you guys using in order to get the word out about your homes? Is it, you know, clearly you mentioned the Internet. Are you, is, it, is it a social media focus? Uh, is it, uh, you know, certain uh, real estate websites, things like that? Uh, social media is a big one. Facebook, obviously, search ads on, on Google and Bing and so forth. And uh, we've actually done it quite a bit on, on the radio and, and uh, some traditional mediums, believe it or not. Oh, interesting. Well, we wish you all the best. Alex, thank you so much for being with us today, and I wish you uh, an even better uh, Happy New Year in 2018. Happy New Year to you as well, and, and uh, happy to be on the show.
Alex Dubay, DoorHomes.com. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Have a good one. Bye-bye. So, uh, you know, I thought that was interesting. I, you know, like he got a couple of different things. I don't know if I agree with him on everything, but boy, you're looking at 2018. You're looking ahead. You're looking at some of these things that are coming down the pipe. I think it's good to look back and also look forward and see what could be headed our way. I one thing I I kind of you know, you know nothing against the guy. I like the guy, but uh, the one thing that I think is that I think we may see higher wages in 2018. And one of the reasons I think we we might possibly see that is. Well, these companies now have more money to work with because of that tax cut. So you're already starting to see some of the bonuses come out. You're already starting to see uh, some of the uh, wage increase when it comes to a minimum wage. Whether these companies want to invest, right, whether they want to move forward and take that money and put it into invest, uh, whether it's infrastructure or, uh, or expanding, right, more people, adding jobs, maybe it's really taking care of those people in a way that they wanted to take care of them for a long time, but they weren't. Because I'm going to tell you right now, one of the biggest issues that I see and that I've been hearing from uh, folks in, in all different uh, industries and business, matter of fact, we're facing this here locally ourselves, is a, ve- there's a very, um, it's a vacuum, really, when it comes to talent. There's an issue when it comes to talent. And I think finding the right people uh, in in putting those people into the culture of your business and where they are and where they're working so that you can keep those people and it becomes a family and they're not going anywhere. We see millennials and all these stories that we hear about people wanting to jump jobs. Well, not if they got a job that they really enjoy that fulfills them, that, that, that they're challenged by and that pays them well and takes care of them and compensates them. Uh, they'll have an opportunity to do that moving forward if they if they've got a break on taxes and if they're able to have to able to pay these people more. And at the end of the day, I think we all win in that scenario. Again, more disruption now. 2018. This theme is not going anywhere. It's you know it's not it's not new either, but we're starting to see disruption sneak into and I think spill into uh, other areas that we haven't seen yet. How about Social Security? Oh, man, this latest article, by the way, is going to freak you out, especially if uh, you're older and you're on that Social Security or you got parents that are my parents. They asked me the other day about this. I go, look, no, nobody's going to touch this. They don't want it. It's radioactive. Nothing's going to happen because they're getting all the scare tactics about that uh, tax bill, by the way, the other day. This is this is a story that uh, once it starts to heat up, man, Look out. Coming up right after this, we'll get into that. Plus, anything else you want to weigh in on, 888-900-3393 is a number. 888-900-3393. Justin at JustinBarkley.com is the email. And on Twitter at Mr. Justin Barkley. You're back right after this. Barkley in for Pat Gray Unleashed today on The Blaze. Pat Gray Unleashed. On The Blaze Radio Network. Oh, don't make me check the Facebook and Twitter. Oh, don't make me do it. (sighs) Okay. All right. Let me get to it. At Mr. Justin Barkley on Twitter. If you want to weigh in, you can. 
at Mr. Justin Barclay. I'm also on the Facebook group right now, Pat Gray Unleashed on Facebook. If you haven't been in there yet, you got to go check this out. These guys are a blast. They have a lot of fun. I enjoy it in there. Some of the things we talk about uh, right now doing 2018 predictions. Wanted to ask, by the way, because uh, we did talk a little bit about this yesterday, when to take your tree down. Apparently, according to Mariah Carey, it's July 4th. You don't take your tree down until July 4th. I don't get that. That's a little bit too, yeah, I think it's a bit too far when you go July 4th, especially if it's a real tree. I mean, that's probably not good for the, you know, fire hazard. and. <sighs> yeah, no, I know. It's, it's, it's pretty nutty. But true, Bitcoin update, by the, by the way. I was planning on giving you a little bit of Bitcoin update yesterday. Uh, we didn't have time to get to the Bitcoin update. And it actually, I think, had gone a little bit further back up since the uh, big crash of 017, which was last week. It's gone down even more now. Um, It went up. And then it came back down. The reason it's come back down this time is, I believe, South Korea has said, well, we may, like, freeze some of these Bitcoin transactions and not allow this. So the Bitcoin folks getting a little, they're getting a little antsy over this. What is it, 14,000? Mid-morning in London, Bitcoin was trading around 14,000. It was up to 16, back up to 16,400 earlier this week. Now, back down again. The old Bitcoin. Where are we right now? Let me see. Bitcoin. Uh, As of this, okay, what's what? uh, 225 Eastern. On uh, December 28, 2017, 13,717, 16,868. Now, just wait a minute. Because it could go back up or down or God only knows with the Bitcoin. Found this online, thought I'd share it with you. A boy asked his Bitcoin investing dad for one Bitcoin for his birthday. Dad said, What? Fifteen thousand five hundred and fifty-four dollars. I mean, fourteen thousand three hundred and fifty-four dollars is a lot of money. What do you need sixteen thousand seven hundred and eighty-two dollars for anyway? Get it? Yeah. All over the map there. All. Anyway, the value of Bitcoin fell by double percentage digits on Thursday after the South Korean government said that it plans to impose fresh measures to regulate speculation in cryptocurrency. And, of course, trading. Mid-morning in London, Bitcoin was trading, as I said, about around uh, 14000 apiece. According to several trading platforms, having surpassed $16,400 early in the week, and now it is back down to 13 whatever it was. 13.7? Is that what we said? 
Government had warned several times that virtual coins cannot play a role as actual currency and could result in high losses due to excessive volatility. That sounds like one of them side effects that you get on them drugs that you watch on the television. They come and everybody's like run around the park. <laughs> right. Yes, it could result in high losses due to excessive volatility. Do not take Bitcoin. <laughs> I can see the commercial now. Mm. Notoriously volatile Bitcoin has endured a turbulent year, rallying from less than $1,000 at the start of January. Wouldn't you have liked to just had, I just like one Bitcoin. The start of January 2017. Almost 20000 earlier this month. Were we were talking about it last week. It was up, it was down, it was up, it was down. Gosh, this thing is a roller coaster. The Bitcoin update. So maybe this, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe this could be like a regular feature. I don't know if Pat got to continue the Bitcoin update or not, but, hey, we're already back up to 13780 everybody, so hang in there. Oh, we're back down to 13717 I just refreshed just to see what it would do. Well, maybe I'm not getting the, the latest information. Nope, now I'm back up to 13780 again. And by the time you refresh this, God only knows where this thing's going to be. Bitcoin. I am fascinated about it, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not ruling it out altogether, but boy, oh boy. I have a breaking news announcement I have to make. Is this right? Um, let me get the, hang on, let me get the, uh, let me get this breaking news announcement. Let me, let me get the details on this. I'm going to take a quick break. And, uh, when we come back, I'll give you all the details that I have on this breaking news announcement. I'm watching footage right now that is downright shocking. Let me get all the uh, let me get all the details straightened out on this, and we'll get back and report it right to you live here. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number one eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. Join the show at any time. In for Pat Gray Unleashed today. It's Barkley on the Blaze. Pat Gray, the Blaze Radio Network. is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Working tirelessly and even without water. They uh this is insane. I have never seen anything this freakish and uh insane in my entire life, but it is true. Uh breaking news. This comes out at This is out of Dallas. You didn't know about this, guys? Holy Guacamole, an 18-wheeler hauling 40,000 pounds of avocados caught on fire. Not only did it turn over, but it caught on fire. Unbelievable. I'm watching chopper footage of this right now. Fox 4 News out of Dallas. I-35 East in Ellis County. It's it's turned over, and the, the, the daggone thing is smoking. Smoked guacamole. 
Wow. Yeah, no, it's happening right now. It's just to get the firefighters that are digging in the crates of this stuff. And here's a person on here on the Facebook says, uh, was the person driving okay? You know what? <laughs> Honestly, my first thought was, who's got the chips? Because I'm looking for a little party. The chips and the dips. I have uh, shared this over on my Facebook page, but if you want to see it. 18-wheeler hauling avocados catches on fire, I-35 East. Traffic backed up on Interstate 35 East in Ellis County because traffic uh, there with tractor-trailer filled with avocados is on fire. The 18-wheeler caught fire Thursday morning. You guys didn't see this? This is something else, man. This is what, you know what, this is what uh, the, the real news, none of that fake news, this is the real stuff people care about. Back to the real issues. Once firefighters put out all the flames... Uh, about 40,000 pounds of avocados will have to be unloaded. And that's why I come with my chips. It's like a smoky flavor now, though. You know what I mean? Let me ask you a question. This is a very serious subject, so I want to throw this out there for you. I want to get your... You just tell me. Queso or guac? Queso or guac? Guac or queso? Does the queso have meat in it? Of course it does. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. The queso with the meat. Oof. Uh, it's kind of a trick question, though. I'll tell you why. Because I'm not a I'm not an either or kind of guy. I'm a both. I don't know if you've seen pictures of me or not, but I'm kind of a both kind of guy. Uh, I, I don't like to be constrained or confined to these silly questions of queso or guac. I want them both drizzled right on top. So there you go. Uh, and, and chips. Chips for the dips. That's the way I look at it. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Director Ridley Scott, who just did this uh, this new movie with Churchill, um, what is that thing called? Darkness? Something about the dark? I just saw this movie. Darkest Hour, that's good. Oh, it's a great movie. Saw it this weekend amongst about 14 that I saw. No, I, I really only saw like two movies last week. I wanted to see more. And I know that two movies, like last week, sounds like a lot because it's probably more than most people see an entire year at the movie theater. But I, I just, uh, I, I don't know what it is. I've got a, a bit of an addiction. And then uh, the movie theaters around here are super nice, and they uh, are all family locally owned. And so they give us these little cards. It's almost like a magical credit card type thing. It's like a membership card. And when I go in there, all I do is give them that card and they swipe it. And every day there's new movies that just free movies that pop up. So I could literally go to two, three movies a day. I think they're that are on there. I could go and then just I could li I really what could if now that I'm thinking about this, I could live at the movie theater. <laughs> I could just live there. Uh, so I don't, I, some, I just have to go see some of the stuff, but this, this movie really, man, I, I gotta tell you, 
Very well done. Really, uh, really, Scott, the director, comes out, defends the Republican tax overhaul during an interview about his new film, saying the bill will result in business owners reinvesting and generating economic growth. Now, Ridley, let's be careful now. Let's not overdo it. You got a great movie in theaters right now. Harvey Weinstein's of the world are going down in flames like those avocados on I-35 there in Texas. And uh, you're coming out and saying that the tax bill's good for people and good for business. Be careful, man. They're going to they're going to come for him next. Then the topic came up and he spoke to the Denver Post about his latest movie All the Money in the World. Oh, I guess he did that one. I thought he did The Darkest Hour too. No, no, it wasn't. It was all the money in the world. See? So I, I can admit it. I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong. I got it wrong there. But it was this one looks good. And this will be the next victim of my movie. Uh, in my next movie that I see. It, it will be. I'm going to take this one down next. Then I'm moving on to, uh, I don't know. My wife wants to see that movie where uh, Matt Damon's really tiny. I, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that one or not. It's just, it's a little weird for me. You know what I mean? It does kind of look funny, but it's a little weird. I'd rather see Matt Damon as Jason Bourne. And then uh, a lot of people have a Jason Bourne or they have a Matt Damon issue. You know, Matt Damon's a little strange sometimes. That will not stop me from seeing somebody's movie. If I don't agree with them or if they're just a complete idiot... Sometimes I still have to. I'll still have to go see the movie because see, I didn't really pay for it, so why not? Um, but anyway, he told the Denver Post over the weekend, "All the money in the world." That's the movie they were talking to him about. There's a lot of commentary in this film about the value of human life, class struggles, and the role of wealth in society. This is the this is the interviewer, by the way. From so you could tell this guy's trying to weave this in, you know. Do you think there's anything to be learned from it at this moment in America? And, you know, he's leading him down that path where he's like, okay, I'm going to set you up. Here's a home run. Softball coming your way. Go ahead and smash Trump. That's the that's the ideal. And this comes out of nowhere. Well, let's take this tax bill, Scott said. And I'm sure the interviewer inched closer on the edge of a seat. Oh, yes. Yes. Tell me about it. He said, well, you know, people say Republicans are doing it for the wealthy class. What they forget is if you get a clever, unselfish business person, I don't care if it's a corner store or a big business who's suddenly saving 15%, they'll put it back into business. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And that's where the guy probably sat back and goes, oh, goodness. I just gave you a home run. <sighs> And then Ridley Scott goes on to say, then you're going to get growth and therefore people will get employed. <laughs> Imagine that, right? My concern is with the elderly, the infirm, and the youth who need to have chances and shots for every level. And equality in education. But you have to use it. You have to get your expletive head down and use it. So uh, there you go. That's uh, Ridley Scott. Alien, Blade Runner, Gladiator, The Martian, and now All the Money in the World, which is the movie, if you remember, that's the same movie that they took old uh, Kevin uh, Spacey out of. 
he was in this movie, and then the news came out about him being a freak, which is weird because I think everyone has known it's no secret that Kevin Spacey has been a weirdo for, I think, many, 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 many years. The specifics of his weirdness, I don't know that we 100% understand those, but I think we didn't know that for sure. That wasn't 100% clear, but I think we all signed off on, okay, that one right there, that guy's a little strange, don't you think? I mean, I can't be the only one. I think we, we all kind of secretly knew that. That's the weird part about all this stuff that we're going through right now. I think we know you have to be a little, there's something off about you if you're in Hollywood or, you know, there has to be something, there's got to be something going on there. I'm not saying you're like Kevin Spacey weird. And then we kind of hear the stories and then you, I just think we've gotten to this 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 point in our, our society and our world where it's like, it, it's like almost you can't state the obvious or you can't talk about what you know. Because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Like, Kevin, we know. We we know you're a little out there, my friend. And then the stories, whether they're true or not, I don't know. It's the same thing with Harvey Weinstein. I mean, why do you think the guy wanted to make movies? Some of this stuff drove his success in a lot of ways, probably, because he's a creeper. You know? And they all knew. I could say this because, you know, look, uh, uh, what do I have to lose, right? I'm like, it's just like me and you are talking and we're, we're, we're just friends. We could talk about this stuff. People in Hollywood aren't going to say these things because they, you know, they, they, they just, there's too much writing on it, right? But they all knew. And they've known for years. Uh, the Clintons knew. He's a big time donor. Do you think they had a problem taking that money? Of course not. Anyway, that's the that's uh, that's all the latest from uh, Hollywood. In case you needed to get your you know your head wrapped around that, I don't know if we've talked about this yet. I've seen the story, and I think it's kind of indicative of the ideology. We'll go back to Texas with the avocados. I'm a queen, and I demand to be treated like a queen. Quotes. How Congresswoman involved in a race row on plane was chauffeured a block to Congress and was nearly banished from an airline before. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, a Texas Democrat, has a storied history of bad behavior on planes and in automobiles. I don't know, you probably heard about this story earlier this week. This woman's supposed to get out. She bought a first-class ticket. It's like the first seat on the plane. She had a first-class ticket to go from Texas to D.C. She gets on the plane and finds out that her seat has been given away to someone else. She says, are you kidding me? So she walked. I think she walked up to the the front class, the first-class area to see, who the heck is in my seat? There it is. Sure enough, it's Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. So this whole thing is made, uh, I think it was a United flight. Is that the same company that dragged that guy off the plane in, in Chicago? Oh, boy. What a great, what a great company, huh? <laughs> God, they, they just have the greatest year ever, aren't they? 
So how does this happen? She bought and paid for this first class ticket, ends up back in the back of the plane. Sheila Jackson Lee in her seat. And I don't know if you read the first story on this and when it came out, but this woman just said, look, I, I, I paid for the seat. I don't understand. How did I get bumped? I'll tell you how you got bumped. I mean, the congresswoman or her people or whatever, somebody called over and said, hey, we got a blah, 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 and it was done. Done deal. Snapped her fingers because she says, I'm a queen, and I demand to be treated like a queen. So that leaves me and you, the regular folk, right? The small folk, the peasants, to fend for ourselves. Sheila Jackson Lee now, in her storied history, by the way, this is all starting to come out. This is this disruption I was talking about. The unraveling. Can't keep secrets anymore. Not happening. 2018, not anymore. Previous news reports have captured Jackson Lee berating flight attendants over not getting a seafood meal in first class. Well, that one right there, she's really, she's a representative of the people, isn't she? She just likes to get in, get her hands dirty. She's a representative of the people. As well as making her congressional age, she's uh, sometimes referred to as, you stupid, I can't. I can't say this. M. I sell, I'll say mother. You stupid mother. She say that to the to her aides. Drive her uh, one block to work. The week uh, this week, the congresswoman suggested a white woman was being racist. Oh yeah, there's more to this story. So this woman complains. I forget, right? She complains that that uh, they gave her seat away, and now Sheila Jackson Lee's come out and said, "Well, the only reason she was complaining, obviously and clearly, is because she's racist. It's probably not the fact that she spent a gazillion dollars on a first class ticket from, you know, wa- from uh, from Texas to D.C. and and, and then, they, then she got bumped, and then there's some strange woman in her seat. No, it's clearly the fact that she's black. That was the problem, and then she has a problem with that." Holy moly. This is where we are this in this world. The airline has uh, stated the woman had canceled this leg of her flight, which was how the congresswoman was able to be upgraded to the passenger seat. I don't know about that. Sounds like there are some shenanigans afoot. Some more, by the way, on her storied past. I'll continue to keep you updated on this. The story gets better and better as we continue. We'll come back. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Uh, Robbie, your phone calls, if any, and of course on Twitter's, we're at Mister Justin Barclay, and off on the email at Justin at JustinBarclay dot com. Barclay in for Pat Gray today. Unleashed on the Blaze. Pat Gray Unleashed returns after this on the Blaze Radio Network. Gray returns on the Blaze Radio Network. It's triple A nine hundred thirty three ninety three. The number to join in if you want to join the show at any time. It's Barkley in for Pat Gray today on the Blaze. Great website. I got a newsletter I send out at justinbarkley.com. You can log on and check that out as well. I'm giving away one of my favorite daily tools, which is this really cool five 
minute journal to take a note out of uh, Bill O'Reilly's book there. Just listening to him saying things. And I think it's, you know what's interesting? It's more important when you slow things down and you draw them out, right? I feel like I, I'm going to take that from the, uh, I mean, the guy's obviously done something right through the years, right? Anyway, it's the Pat Gray Unleashed. See, it sounds more important when I do it like that. It's Barclay in for Pat Gray today on the Blaze. Don't worry, he will be back, I believe, Tuesdays at first day back. Getting geared up. Probably right now out taking care of some of his taxes, like many folks are. By the way, the IRS says don't run out and do this immediately. You might want to check with your CPA first. Because there was some talk about how you could file or you could uh, deduct this year your what your taxes, uh, your property taxes for your uh, for your home. Uh, it says if you hurry. By the way, according to theblaze.com, if you hurry, you might be able to catch the tax breaks before the new Republican tax law takes effect in 2018. Does it apply to you? The Internal Revenue Service confirmed Wednesday that taxpayers who have already received a tax assessment from their local government can prepay their 2018 tax property taxes before the end of the year. Why is it important? Well, the new legislation contains a $10,000 limit on the value of the uh, state and local tax deductions. The RS confirmation gives taxpayers the go-ahead to prepay 2018 property taxes this year. Now, be careful. Don't run out and do this right away because what I've understood is that... Uh, People are going out and paying these things, but uh, they're they're forgetting the fact, I guess, apparently you have to get that bill. So you can check with your CPA, and you can also check, I think the thing that I read earlier said, look, you got to check, but not only check, make sure that you're able to get that, you're able to get that from your uh, your local authorities, right, whatever you're paying, where you, where you pay your property taxes. Is it county or state, local, whatever it might be, wherever you're getting them from, right? That you actually get that tax deduction or that, that assessment rather take care of. So there you go. There you have it. Sheila Jackson Lee, there's an entire article filled. I can't even go through all the stuff, but it details all of her craziness, the wackiness out of this uh, congresswoman from Texas. Uh, through the years and her travel. So, yes, she demands to be treated like a queen. Again, this is the problem. This is how these folks see themselves as royalty and you're the peasants. In 2002, the Weekly Standard did a deep dive into her travel demands. By the way, this is crazy. The congresswoman, the article noted, lived about 200 paces from her cannon building Capitol Hill office, though still insisted every day on a ride. 200 feet. On December 6, 2001, a blue Ford Contour with government plates pulled up to her apartment building where it idled for 23 minutes, blocking rush hour traffic. In the meantime, on one of Capitol Hill's busiest streets, the Weekly Standard said, when the congressman appeared, an aide opened the car doors for her and waited while Jackson Lee stood outside the automobile to take a phone call. Then an awkward moment ensued when Jackson Lee stared her staffer down until the congresswoman's jacket and shawl were removed. <laughs> Demands to be treated like a queen. 
In 2011 article in the Daily Caller, drivers for the lawmakers said she demanded that they run red lights and run on highway shoulders. Antics that caused one accident, at least. Jackson Lee was screaming at a staffer to drive faster when the aide turned due sharply and ran the car into a wall, the Daily Caller reported. While her time was precious, staffers testified theirs was not. Whatever time she told me to be there, I would always show up at least 20 minutes later and expect to wait at least 45 minutes. Wow. One of the drivers told the Daily Caller, she was making me wait in the car sometimes upwards of five to seven hours per day, idling the car so much it started to damage its engine. My mechanic friend said, you know your car looks like you've driven it twice the miles you have. <clears throat> so much for that uh, that uh, that uh, carbon footprint, too, you know? Idling that car out there. Mm-hmm. She goes through all of this in her tweets that she put out and said she thought she was a victim of racism. Well, you, you can... Read the entire article, by the way. We'll put that online. Tomorrow is it. They're finally pulling the plug. Ron didn't uh, He didn't know when this was going to happen. It will be tomorrow. Pulling the plug. I will be gone. Uh, good news is, <laughs> be back. So tomorrow's the last day. But then uh, you never know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, man. Pat is back on Tuesday. It's a big week. A lot of big things happening. We'll uh, ring in the new year. A lot of good stuff to uh, to get to tomorrow as well. Always a pleasure and an honor to be here with you. I appreciate you joining me. It's good, man. It's a lot of fun in here. I can't believe they let us get away with it all. If you want to hit me up while we're gone, Justin at JustinBarclay.com on the email. My blog, JustinBarclay.com, at Twitter, at Mr. Justin Barclay. Appreciate you. That's it for now. Barclay, and for Pat Gray, Unleashed on the Blaze. Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network.